I'm Nick. And I'm Sean. And, and these, these are Our Fermenting Thoughts. Here we are, Sean, again. Gosh, it's a, a crashed out of uh, January and marching into February. Marvellous. I, I don't think it was too bad. I mean, obviously, that's, I don't mean any disrespect because obviously, you know, any breweries that have closed and pubs and bottle shops, of which there have been some, is really, really sad when that happens. And I don't want to keep banging this drum over and over, but I don't know, sometimes it feels a little bit in the industry that when we talk about these closures, it's all doom and gloom and like the sky's falling in and all the rest of it, but... Um, I've spoke to various breweries and pubs who have said they've had their best January in ages. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it'll go back to things that we've said on previous exchanges, which is it's all about, and probably where we're going to move on to with our topic of today, um, is the exploration of your relationship with your customer, um, just how much that's been uh, looked after, embraced, um, communication, um, because that all results in sales and uh, you know um, you don't just you know expect to have sales you have to work at them daily yeah um, and look after those that you have got and you know and again we're going to talk about it in detail but um, it is about the reorder um, so it's about the loyalty of that end customer buying your pint obviously at the bar but more importantly depending on the breadth of your operations that they then buy you through your web shop, through your other retailers, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, and how it's best to execute that. I was having a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine that runs a tap in Sheffield and he also works as a sales rep. So he gets to see it from both in front of the bar and behind it. And he was saying that even with all the knowledge of what it's like being a purchaser of beers, and a vendor selling them to consumers. You know, you could go in and have really good, robust sales conversations with people about selling beer. But then sometimes it's like hitting a brick wall. And it's like, I don't understand why that happens. Why do you think that does happen? What is it that, and I'm sure everyone listening to this can totally relate. I know I could relate to that. Like, why is it that you can walk into an operator or retailer having a really amazing conversation with them about your brand and about their business and finding out their needs and all the rest of it. And all the signs seem really good, but then they just don't bite. I think my instinctive answer is it's the it's the beauty of the human spirit and the fact that we're not automatons. So the, the person that's been entrepreneurial enough to start their own tap room or other business or bottle shop or whatever else they're up to um, has a clear idea, has done their research, has a feeling for the brands and the the uh, portfolio they want to rotate doesn't fit at that point in time and or in the style of their environment, then they're not interested. And yeah. you just have to accept that. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to do that when you're representing what you think is one of the finest beers in the country. And uh, the, the operator says, no, thanks. <laughs> so Now, I wish I could be more, but the fact of the matter is that you, you, what you're not then what you'd be silly to do and this is um, uh, uh, for a person that's been in sales for, and 
as you know previously an operator is that what you don't then do is keep hassling that customer um, and trying to convince them um, you just leave it alone um, you make them subtly aware um, that you're around uh, and clearly if they're connected to the brewer itself or social media or to you then they're aware of you what they don't want is for you to keep knocking on their door um, uh, you, the good operators have you make them subtly aware, as I say, or just drop them a message and just say, look, we've updated our website. You know, we do have some new offers on that kind of just that quiet um, pitch. Yeah. Um, and then everybody's happy. And um, that's how I found most operators like to be dealt with experienced operators because they're very busy with everything within their business. And the last thing they need is to be hassled. And that's where a lot of sales goes wrong. You still have the standard approach of, breweries, you know, calling on a Monday morning. Um, people in their businesses have their known suppliers and they also have their ways of ordering and the ways in which they want to run their um, diary in that sense. And, you know, it's amazing these days. I mean, as a GM these days, you can you can basically spot trade. So if you said, right, okay, Ebrea are doing a brilliant offer on the New Zealand Beer Collective beers this week, I'm going to spot by those and have a spot event. And, mm. you know, so your sales can come from any direction, but the entrepreneurial operator will be using all methods to make sure they get the best price on market on the week. Yeah. Um, and, and that, of course, to the brewery is frustrating because they're like, oh, God, you know, why can't, why, why won't they sign up for a, an account with us? Well, they don't want that commitment. They mm. like to rotate. Yeah. I also think that different styles of purchaser and I guess sales reps come into that as well. So I was in conversation with a brewery yesterday who predominantly sell cask beer. And they were saying how their sales rep comes from the world of cask beer. And the way they put it was like, oh, they can go speak to like angry landlords <laughs> who like purchasing cask beer. You know, they, they painted a really wonderful slightly charming and slightly frightening caricature of landlords in general, but I felt it was fairly accurate. And there's a real art to that kind of sales, but you can't take that approach when it comes to selling to like large chains or retailers or little quirky independent craft beer shops and boutiques and stuff. You absolutely have to do your research and then accept the fact that there are tie-ins or partial tie-ins and most people won't make you privy to those. So you have to ask and do your own, rightly so. It's like um, preparing for any meeting and then understand that said operator only deals with, um, you know, as their prime supplier nectar, for example. And so therefore, you know, you it's your business to get listed with nectar. Um, if you want to sell to that particular operator. Um, but often people just go in and they haven't even done their basic research from the sales side to understand who's supplying them currently, what arrangements do they have in place, um, what's the style of that business, how much. I mean, a good example is Fuller's. Uh, so if you take the Fuller's estate, there's probably about 20 sites within the Fuller's estate that are independent autonomy of purchase for their GMs. Um, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. They that's still in continuity despite Asahi having um, bought Nectar and the Nectar linkage to Fuller's Fuller State Supply. You still have this beautiful opportunity with the 20 
full of sites that effectively, or free of tie, if I can put it that way. And so, what you you, you know, they're a good example where you you do that, you know that, and so you make it your business to understand those twenty really, really well. Um, what 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 geography, what area are they in? What are the local breweries to that particular site? Um, and it goes on so that when you go in and talk to that GM, um, yeah, you, you're offering value so that, you know, you, you, you genuinely, he knows that you've taken the time to understand his site, to appreciate the type of customer base he's got, you know, how are you going to actually, he's a busy chap at all times or chapette and therefore, you know, when are you going to do tasting evenings? Um, when are you going to train his staff, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, all things, all things that you're you you need that full armory if you're going to convert on a sale, mm. and rightly so. Do you think that I'll make I'll make an observation and I'll try and make a question off the back of it? So my, my observation is that most of the breweries, at least here in the UK, I can't speak to anyone listening to this from the USA. It's a completely different system over there. So apologies to our American listeners, but at least here in the UK, it's like the vast majority of the breweries are all, well, as one brewer once put it to me, they're like crabs in a bucket and the, the, the meat goes into the bucket and all the fat, all the crabs fight one another for the tiny scraps of meat, tiny morsels. Do you think that a lot of independent breweries or just breweries in general beverage producers are chasing a real small subset of the market and they're not exploring other routes to market because it's it's kind of like everyone's fighting for the same limited tap or cask yeah. lines or yeah they need to space. concentrate on the brewery itself just needs to concentrate on quality control quality support marketing that's going to again add value in alignment with their uh their um stockists um and that's a big one for everybody where they can get the digital integration going. Um, and then they need to, at all times, focus local, local cluster build from there. Um, and then by, you know, by word of mouth, everybody knows each other, broadly speaking, in the industry. And so if said um, brewery is in, let's say, Devon, um, but they've got mates or contacts or collabs they've done with people in you know, East Anglia, um, then they'll start to get stockists there. Yeah. And, you know, the ambition would be, and most helpful way for all parties is then to get in with a good distributor in East Anglia, clearly, that has got the best account base. Um, if you're looking to um, embrace an area, is what I call cluster building. So, um, because you're obviously going to access a, a bigger account base through the quality distributor that's the distributor that's doing what they do well mm. there ain't many of them and yeah. i don't mean that rudely to the whole of the distribution circuit i just find that they, they carry too wide a portfolio they certainly haven't got time to focus on your beer so necessarily unless it's adding value again to their account base so that's again another part of the chain you know how well do you know that distributor mm. um, how well do you know their sales team um is it even appropriate to waste time approaching them in the first place yeah. um well, we and also stating the obvious what what direct um solutions do you have as a brewery as well logistics wise 
Um, so if you're trying to get into a chain, let's say a pub group or a smaller pub group, realistically, is it worth you? You know, you've got to be sending pallets clearly. Mm. Um, the best solution for all parties, and it doesn't happen enough in the market, and I don't know why, because I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's too much hassle for the right setup, is that in the ideal world, you'd drop pallets into the distribution depot of the pubco and then they resend it to their bars if that makes sense to everybody mm. so ease of example and i've always loved dealing with them so definitely name check them you'd send it to say cameron's who as we know run the head of steam estate and you send in the pallets to hartlepool and then they get moved out to the individual head of steam sites um on a drawdown basis um which works for everybody mm. and is all very well planned. Yeah. I do wonder though whether, I mean, with distributors, they're obviously sending a bulk of that product to like on-license places, you know, pubs and bars and stuff. But I wonder whether there are venues or outlets that don't get a look in, particularly if you're self-distributing as well. Like I think, this comes back to the crab thing. It's like everyone's just focusing on, oh, the free house down the road because they, they ain't going to be a tie or the micro pub or whatever or the independent bottle shop that's round there or and so on and so forth. But people don't concentrate on the, maybe their local cinema or local theatre. Really or, good point. Or Nick. sports, really good point. sports yes. clubs um, or even working men's clubs and all that sort of stuff. And I remember Pete Brown talking about it in like it was the cast report that they put out for SEBA a few years back and the, if you imagine a pie chart there was like something like over a quarter of this pie chart of unlicensed venues that aren't pubs that breweries are neglecting and I just want I just wonder with distributors in particular because I know there'll be some breweries this to this that have distribution deals and there'll be probably a lot of breweries who don't and they self-distribute and I, I just wonder how a brewery that doesn't have a distribution deal and is self-distributing can start to focus those kinds of venues and retailers. And for those that do have a distributor, like are they doing enough to try and get beer into other places that aren't just on licensed venues like pubs? In the States? No, they're not broadly speaking. Um, and uh, that's very broadly speaking across. I don't want to, what we're really talking about is a multi-channel strategy um, that, that, that should be open sky thinking for all parties and until, and it's just the old adage, hard work. You have to be absolutely di diligent in each channel and know, as, as you've uh, noted, that, you know, have you tried the leisure groups? Have you tried the cinema groups? Have you? I mean, the list goes on all the ones that you've mentioned and there's so many hybrid operations now and that would do a, a surprising amount of volume. And, um, and and have a great conceptual offer and, you know, that would be great working partners. So, yeah, very much so. Um, don't leave any channel unexplored. Um, and the brewery has to accept the fact that, you know, they might, like all breweries or brands, have to think that they're offering something really high quality. Well, if you are, how 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 are you going to let people know about it? You have to do personal visits. You have to do have personal conversations with the operator, and the list goes on. You know, not not expect them just just because you've got a web shop or you've got this or you've got that. I'm a big believer that um, you know 
I'm, I'm afraid to say that most breweries do not want to pay for boots on the ground. And if you've got quality boots on the ground, um, and I did many years of it, um, knowing, getting to know those areas, getting to know every single patch um, over a year, you know, let's be realistic about it, sales and pipelining every single part of the channel strategy, then at least at year end, you know that you've approached everybody mm. and every opportunity. Yeah. And you've got a far clearer idea of, of whether your brand or brew appeals, you know, in certain channels as well. Yeah. I was talking to a sales rep um, at a brewery in the Southwest yesterday, and he's, he's worked for various breweries, worked for a new brewery now. And he said, because he's over the years built up customers for these various different breweries, it's like I can walk into loads of different pubs and say, oh, I'm working for a new brewery now. And be like, oh, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take some, even though they've never tasted or anything, cause basically because they have a really good relationship with him. And I, th- I think those people are worth the weight in gold, to be honest with you. Uh, but for anyone that doesn't have that silver bullet, so to speak, in their armory, like I guess just to round off the podcast this week, what can they do when it comes to building those relationships if you don't have the either the money to pay for a good sales rep or even that much time? Let's say it's a brewery that, you know, the employees or the owners are, are taking on that role as part of m- one of many roles that they do in their business. It, it, for me, it's almost like uh, a parallel with the apprenticeship, for want of a better way of putting it, is that you take that person and it is your absolute responsibility to train them to the nth degree in the ways and workings of the weird world of brewing and distribution and everything else. So they go out there and they feel totally confident in approaching any target, if I can put it that way. Um, and again, that's just something that breweries don't seem to want to spend the money or time on or say they haven't got the time or, you know, we're only a small brewery and we haven't got time to, well, I'm afraid it's time that has to be invested because uh, and knowledge that has to be invested and in, trained into the individual um, so that they feel genuinely, um, and not only an extension, but very proud to represent you more importantly. And that will come across in bucket loads when they approach the account then. And then it goes back to your point that that, that person perhaps totally green to the industry and sales in, I'd say, 18 months, two years, has got a nice wide network and a bit like the chap you mentioned, they will then find people just automatically buy from them because they trust them and they know that they're not trying to sell them something duff. And, you know, because that's all a huge part of it psychologically. Um, so, yeah, training and uh, investment in sales, I'm afraid it's something that you cannot not pay for. <laughs> and, why, and, why, and, why, and, and why should you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's round it up there this week. Just for our listeners tuning into this, next week there'll be a discussion with George from Triple Point Brewing in Sheffield um, where we're talking in depth about sales. So if this has really tickled your ears and whetted your appetite to do something to motivate you and your sales force to win more sales, then make sure you tune into that. But in the meantime, Sean, if people want to, chat to you and find out more about yeah. always 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 open um i'm out there on social um so please dm me on twitter at beer agent sean uh, instagram or um 
my mobile, always happy to have out there, 07903 I'm not trying to pitch myself. I'm just a really, I, I was given a lift up early in my life in this industry and by people I'll always remember and be grateful to. So I can only repay that in to certain people, then I'm 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 more than happy. Um any question at all. Um ultimately there's no, you know, we we all have to develop our own um how can I put it, our own style and uh and the brands and breweries and people that we want to work with. And more importantly, um all of us are trying to protect the industry's standards and quality, you know protect price, protect value, protect, um, you know, uh, the the staff, more importantly, you know, because um, that's the side of the industry we don't want to see diminish any further than it already has. You know, we want the good pubs to remain, the good operators to remain, and the good collabs to remain, and partnerships, because that's what I love about brewing, and I always have loved about hospitality in general. Um and if we start to lose that more and more week in week out, then we're we're in trouble. Hmm. So, yep, that was a super non pitch pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I I just, I just go for it me every week on the podcast, as people well well aware. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you know, but um, you know, just finally, and it's very kind of you, Nick. But um, for those that want to know um, and, and do know me well, they they know that I'm uh, launching my own personal platform shortly um the beverage agent so watch the space on that one but what i don't want people to feel is that they can't approach me on any help source a contact you know because frankly you know if a part of my network is not appropriate to what i'm doing or what i'm selling or what i'm building then happy to hand it over 